So here we are. We're in the third Sunday of Advent, if you can believe it. Advent's about uh, almost done with Christmas Eve. It's just around the corner. And, uh, and so we are here this morning. We're going to look at the Song of Mary. And so I invite you to hear these words from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 39 through 56. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy." And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. And surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name." His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. And he has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her for about three months and then returned to her home. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God and let's pray. God, we come to you this morning having heard your praises sung, and we give you praise for that. God, we do pray that we would be a people who are continually thankful, who are growing in our gratitude for how you have been and continue to be and will continue to be at work in our world. So now, Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen and amen. Well, because I knew that the cantata was today, I've been feeling a certain amount of pressure uh, when it comes to this sermon because I knew that I would have to get to my point very quickly uh, because we would have less time. And as most of you know, I'm not really very good at either getting to the point or even having a point. And so this has been a bit of a struggle for me. Um, but So initially, I thought to myself, I am just going to focus on the Song of Mary, verses 46 through 55. And it is, it's a remarkable passage. It's a passage and a song where Mary begins to sing out with with passion and with wisdom and with a remarkable amount of faith. There's lots of things, of course, that you could talk about when it comes to the song of Mary. One of the remarkable things about it is the way that Mary sees is finally beginning to really see with clarity that she is going to be used by God. 
right? There may have been some wonderment in her own eyes as to whether or not this was going to happen. But all of a sudden, you see here at the beginning of Mary's song, this great excitement that God is actually going to use her. That's one of the things that we talk about here at ZPC. One of the things that's so important is that each of us know that God has created you in such a way in order to use you. He has given you gifts. That might be singing. It might be playing an instrument. It might be hospitality. It might be empathy. Whatever it is to know this, that God has created you in such a way to be used by him. And if we can begin to live into that, then our joy will begin to grow, it seems to me. Not only, though, does Mary see that God has created her in order to be able to use her, but in this great kind of show of maturity of faith, she realizes that it's not just personal, what God has done for her, but it actually begins to move into the communal, meaning what God wants to do for the world. You may have noticed it begins with the personal, but then all of a sudden after she talks about how amazingly blessed she is, that God is going to use her, she begins to talk about what God is going to do throughout the world, how he's going to feed the hungry, how he's going to bring down those who are powerful and lift up the lowly, how he's going to care after those who love him, how he's going to be full of mercy towards those who are desirous of his mercy. One of the things that we struggle with, I think, is that we oftentimes believe that going deeper in the faith means that we kind of go further and further into ourselves, into growing in ourselves, where the reality is the more your faith is growing, the deeper it's getting means that you are beginning to understand in greater ways what God wants to do throughout all of the world. One of the things we're going to bring in a few members here in a little bit, and one of the things we always talk about is the fact that what you're doing at ZPC, when you come on board here at ZPC and you begin to serve, we want you to know that this is not just about what you're doing for ZPC. This is about the greater kingdom of God. It is not just for us. It is that when you are participating, like Mary was participating, you are helping to bring the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And the more that we begin to grow into that, Again, the greater our joy, the greater our faith will be. Another thing that people love to talk about is the fact that when Mary uses the verbiage, when she talks about what God is doing throughout the world, perhaps you notice this, she uses the past tense again and again. He has shown strength. He has scattered the proud. He has brought down the powerful and lifted up the lowly. In other words, as Fred Craddock says, this is a remarkable show of faith. That even if those things have not yet happened, Mary has the faith to act as if they have already occurred because she is so convinced that it will happen. So this song then, Mary's song, is a great reminder of the fact that God longs to use us, that God wants us to be a part of this greater thing that he is doing in the world and to, and to grow in our own faith and belief in that. It's a great song. But as I was thinking about it for this particular Sunday, I realized that I was a bit unsettled. And the reason, I think, why I was unsettled with just focusing on Mary's song is because, as I talked about last week, this is Advent. 
And in Advent, one of the things we do is we don't just focus on Christmas. We don't just focus on the beautiful end product, if you will. Rather, we think through the journey it took in order to get to that place. Oftentimes, a journey that is not simple and easy. And so as I began thinking about Mary's song, the questions then that began to kind of come over me are, what was it that got Mary to the position to be able to sing this remarkable song? It's why when I read the scripture, I started with verse 39 rather than starting uh, later just with her song. But as I began to think about that, I realized, well, you know what? That's not really the beginning either. The beginning is all the way back in the 26th verse. And I knew that if I started reading from the 26th verse and doing all that, that we would never get out of here by the Colts game, at least, right? (laughs) And so I said, well, I'm not going to do that. So what I want to do is I just want to quickly go over. Most of you know the story. What happens here for Mary? How does it begin? It begins with an angel who comes to her, right, to her house, and she says, or the angel says to Mary, you, I've got great news, you are going to bear the Son of God. And as soon as she, as soon as the angel says that, Mary says, ah, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. No! Right? No! That's not what she says, right? Because it's not time yet. She is not yet in the place to be able to sing her song. What does Mary say? Mary says, well, I hate to break this to you, angel. I don't know if you know how these things work for us humans. But I am a a virgin. To which the angel says, oh, Mary, that's not a problem. They're just, just logistical issue, really. And he goes on to say, don't even worry about it, really. He goes, this is a child. This is going to be a different kind of child. This is going to be a, a child of the Spirit. And as soon as he says that, Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices. No. It's not, she's not ready yet to sing that song. And so clearly, it seems to me, she had some kind of perplexed look on her face as if she still was not convinced, and who could blame her? Because all of a sudden, then the angel says to her, well, I got a sign for you, and here is the sign. The sign is that your cousin, Elizabeth, who was said to have been barren, is now in her sixth month of pregnancy, for nothing is impossible with God. To which Mary then says, my soul magnifies the Lord. No. Some of you thought that might be right. (laughs) No. Mary says, here I am, a servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Now some people take that as being, wow, this is remarkable. Mary's completely on board. She's fully convinced of it. This is, she's good to go. But I got to tell you, I do not agree with that. You see, I still think that Mary is wrestling with this. And again, who could blame her? You see, I think we are apt, we want Mary to fully believe because if she already fully believes, then we know that she is a superhero. And guess what we don't have to try and be like? Superheroes. 
We love to make superheroes out of the people in the Bible because in that way, they don't actually speak into our lives at all. None of us are going to be Superman. None of us are trying to fly off of buildings because we know we can't do it. But I think if we begin to see that Mary in her Advent journey is wrestling with this, then it forces us to take this story and her song eventually even more seriously. You see, I think that Mary, while she does believe in some sense, she's still not certain. That Mary, while she may be hopeful, she's still not yet fully convinced. It is an Advent ambivalence or ambiguity that most of us understand. But Mary, to her credit, she does not allow those doubts, those questions to keep her in her home. No, what she does is she says, I've got to figure out if this is true. I've got to figure out whether or not what I feel like is happening, that God really is at work in my life. I've got to see if his promises are true. And so she begins to walk. Step after step after step, we are told, with haste. And can you imagine, have you ever pictured what that was like? When she first walked into Elizabeth's house, have you thought about what is Mary looking for? What's she looking for? A baby bump. She is looking to see if Elizabeth is pregnant. And so I just picture, right, there's Elizabeth. She has her arms wide open. She's excited. And Mary is doing this. Is she pregnant? Is there something there? I know, I'm sorry, Elizabeth. It's been a while since I've seen you. I know this may be awkward. But you have to understand that something was said to me, that God was at work, and I haven't experienced anything yet, but I want to know if you are pregnant. And as her eyes are transfixed, can't you just imagine then, all of a sudden then, Elizabeth begins to pile on the words of faithful confirmation. Mary, as soon as you came in, the baby inside of me leapt. Mary, blessed are you to be the mother of the Son of God. Mary, blessed are you for your faith. And as she looks there and Mary sees that child that is within Elizabeth, all of a sudden she knows. And Mary begins to say, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. At that point, but not a moment before, she is ready to sing her praises to God. And I think it's critical for us to be able to see that in this Advent season. There is an Advent lesson in Mary's song. And one of those lessons is simply the fact that this journey takes a while. And sometimes you're not at the place to be able to sing the praises of God for everything you've seen. And sometimes it means you just have to take one little step at a time. So often we want to wait until we're fully convinced of everything. We want to do all of our research. We, we're like engineers in the faith, if you will. We want to figure out every possibility. But sometimes God says, I just want you to 
walk. But the other thing it seems to me that is so significant for us to understand is the impact that all of us can have on other people's faith. Remember, Mary walks in not knowing yet, not fully convinced. And when she is able to see how God has been at work in Elizabeth's life, all of a sudden she begins to believe in an even greater way that God might just be at work in hers. And I think that that is something that we struggle with doing. A part of it, I think, is just our Midwestern sensibilities. You see, I wasn't raised in the Midwest, but my father's from St. Louis, my mother's from Kansas, and so even though I was raised around the states, really, I, I was raised in kind of this Midwestern way, which means you, you don't, you're not, you don't, don't be flashy. We don't like people who are flashy, right? We, we could drive a Hummer, but we drive a Honda. We could, you know, we could drive a Tesla, but we drive a Toyota, right? We don't want to, we don't want to try to be too braggy or anything, right? And so we, 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 we kind of just, we, you know, we act like nothing is a big deal, right? But the problem is, it seems to me, is that we we carry that into our faith. And so often when I talk to people, some of them, you people, about what are you doing? How are you sharing your faith and, and what God's doing in your life? Well, I don't want to, I don't want to look like I'm trying to brag or like, wow, isn't he or she special? And I want to say to them, look at Elizabeth. Think about Mary and how her life was changed, how her faith was transformed by the simple fact that all of a sudden she saw how God was at work in Elizabeth. We walk around with dresses that camouflage our faith baby bump so that no one, it doesn't seem like we're trying to impress anybody. This isn't about you. This is about helping others to be able to see that if God is at work in you, then perhaps even God could be at work in my life as well. And this is something that you all have to understand. By and large, for many folks, including many of you, I am a surrogate mother, which means I am paid to be pregnant. I am paid to talk about how God is at work. I am paid to talk about how I see God at work in you or in my life or in the life at ZPC. And some people say, well, of course you've got to talk about that. We're paying you to do that. But think about when you all who are not paid can be able to talk about how God has shaped you, what God is doing in your life. Think about the difference that can make in other people's lives. I think about this especially when it comes to our children here at ZPC. I talk about this with some regularity. I think, uh, I was having a conversation a few days ago with a ZPCer, and one of the things that he said to me was, when I was growing up, I, was, I went to church every Sunday. My parents always took me to church. But, he said, I never really took that faith on as my own, not until I was in my adult years. And as we were talking about that, one of the things he said was, well, you know what's interesting is that even though my parents always took me, I can never remember a conversation with my parents about God. And one of the things that we are increasingly seeing, research is showing this, is that if we want our children to really be able to grow in the faith, that they have to be able to hear this from the parents. They have to be able to hear how their parents are pregnant with the work of the Lord. 
Amy Crispin, Kristen Lair, they do a great job, but they are surrogates, and your children know this. So the question is, how can you begin to talk to them, those of you who are parents or grandparents or aunts or whomever else it is, have covenant children? What do we do? How do we begin to talk to them about God? And you don't have to start with Mary's song. You don't have to start over here. Just make it simple. If you realize as you're sitting there, thinking, you know what, I, I never really talk to my children that much. I bring them here, but that's about it. Then maybe you can just start with a prayer. Maybe just start with a bedtime prayer. And this doesn't have to be a highfalutin prayer by any stretch of the imagination. The prayers that I have with my children are anything but highfalutin. Right? I mean, my daughter, my three-year-old daughter on Friday night as we're doing our prayer there, she, having just been here and watching Frozen, her whole prayer was basically going over the script of Frozen with God because she was convinced that God really cared about what was going to happen to Elsa and Anna. These are simple prayers. And if you're already doing that, then maybe you can begin reading them from a children's Bible, the Jesus Storybook Bible. We've got plenty of those still. If you want one of those, we'll, we'll give it to you. And if you're already doing that, maybe you can just start asking questions. You know, asking questions, saying, when you look out at the creation that God has created, right? When you look at this, what's your favorite thing? What do you, what do you think about? When I say Jesus, what do you think about? And if your kids are older, right, I understand. I'm not there yet, but I have a feeling that, you know, if you're cuddling up to your 16-year-old son and saying, I want to start saying a bedtime prayer, might be a little bit weird. But, but maybe, but maybe you can just say, hey, you know what? If you could ask God any question, what would it be? Any question at all, what, what would it be? You know what, I'm sure they're going to look at you, and he may look at you and be like, that's just what a dumb question, Dad or Mom, this is just stupid. But I don't care. What they need to know is that you're pregnant. What they need to know is that God is at work in you. And whether they feel like it or not, at some point they will be able to see that. Now, I realize that this message is not just for parents and children, but I also know that we are limited on time because you clap too much. <laughs> so here, thank you, Mark. That just added another minute. Anything else? So here is my Advent question for you today. One simple question. How would you say... God is at work in your life. And can you come up with one way, just one simple way to reveal that you are pregnant? Again, when Mary heard from Gabriel, right, she wasn't calling the next day to St. V's and saying, hey, get a delivery room set up. This is happening. No. She took a small step. She had questions. She was concerned, but she took a small step. What are the small ways, if it has to be, in which God is at work in your life? And are you ready to be able to share that with somebody? Because you never know when someone whose faith may be fledgling, like a Mary, may be able to take one more step, step in their faith journey because you were able to share with him or with her how God is at work. You never know. Who it is who's sitting there and who says, you know what, I feel like I have a song to God to sing, but, but they may not yet have someone who can begin playing the music for them. You never know who is watching, who is waiting, who is looking for your baby bump, if you will, to see 
whether or not God is at work in you because it will give them the hope to believe that God may not be done with them yet. How is God at work in you? And how might that change someone who is desperately in need of knowing that God is alive and that Jesus continues to be born in this world? May it be so. Amen? Amen.